yeah, you know it's going to be all right in the end. It always is, and if it's not all right, it must not be the end. Hello, hello, and welcome to The Recovery Revolution, a podcast celebrating sobriety and exploring the recovery revolution, a modern look at today's addiction recovery community. We'll chat with experts, authors, and regular people, just like you and me, who will share their sobriety stories, as well as tips and tricks to help you live your best life addiction-free. Hey, hey, well, today is the day, my official launch of my new podcast, Recovery Revolution. I'm Melissa Dawn, and I'd like to share my story with you. So I've got this lump in my chest today, and and actually it's been there for almost two years. Uh, It's not going anywhere. The lump is actually my implantable cardioverter defibrillator, or ICD for short. Now some of you might know what these are. They're kind of like a pacemaker. Uh, It's something that lives in my body. It's a little battery-powered device that keeps track of my heart rhythms, and if something should go off kilter, it would deliver a shock to my system, resetting my heart and keeping me alive. Why do I have this? Well, it's because of my alcoholic drinking. Yes, something I never thought I'd have is a little robot under my skin controlling my heart. Well, back when I was the ripe old age of 42, almost two years ago in May of 2019, I suffered two cardiac arrests, which kept me in the hospital on life support in a coma for 11 days, and then with continuing care in the hospital for another six days. So a total of 17 days in the hospital starting on May 27th, 2019. Needless to say, my family was incredibly worried, um, including my husband, my two kids, my mom, my dad, my stepmother, my in-laws, my extended family, all my friends were just beside themselves with worry for me because, you know, I was I was touch and go for that whole time. The doctors kept saying, we're just not sure if she's going to make it. Um, yeah, so to back up to the beginning of the story... Here's what happened. So I guess I'll start at the best place to start, which of course is the beginning. So I was uh, born and raised in Southern California. I had a very lovely childhood. Um, I'm an only child. We were not wealthy by any means, but certainly didn't want for anything much. Um, We were able to take family vacations and, you know, afford new school clothes and take lessons in guitar and cheerleading and that sort of thing. I was raised mostly by my mother, although she was remarried to my stepfather for about 10 years of my life. And I was in continuous contact uh, and spent a lot of time with my dad as well. So I had a very you know, well put together childhood and um, certainly can't complain about anything. I went to college in Santa Barbara, California, and from there met my first husband um, who, you know, I met during my formative years and we did a lot of 
traveling, but actually moving. Uh, we moved all over the country, mostly the West Coast, and um, just had uh, fun exploring new towns, new people, learning new ways to live, that sort of thing. Um, <clears throat> eventually, we found ourselves living at a yoga-based retreat center uh, called Mount Madonna Center in the Santa Cruz Mountains, one of my favorite places on this planet. Um, so we studied yoga and meditation and breath work. Uh, we practiced living in an intentional community for a few years there. And we ended up um, purposely getting pregnant with our first child, who is now almost 16. I cannot believe it. During the tough times leading up to the divorce, I did start drinking more heavily. Um, I had always dabbled in, you know, craft beer and some some wine, and I and I always appreciated the ritual of wine and the taste and the the nuances that you could find. However, um, it became an escape really quickly. The divorce got messy. I was experiencing post-traumatic stress disorder as well as anxiety and depression. Um, I was certainly spiraling and alcohol helped provide an escape for me that at the time I felt was much needed and helped me get through some really hard times, or so I thought. So it was then that I met my now husband of eight years now and... um, you know, we started a life together. We certainly enjoyed, you know, drinking beer and wine and um, having what we called lazy Sundays, which entailed watching the Chicago Bears on TV and drinking as much as we possibly could all day until the day was over. Naturally, as one does, I started drinking more and more to feel the same buzz that I would get in the early days and definitely developed a habit of turning to alcohol when I was happy, when I was sad, when I was excited, when I was nervous, you know, on Tuesday nights, on Saturday nights, during the days, on Sundays. I just found myself always incorporating alcohol into every equation to the point where I wouldn't go somewhere if there wasn't going to be alcohol. I wasn't going to go see a movie with my son unless I could grab a glass of wine. I wasn't going to go, you know, to a friend's gathering unless I knew there was going to be drinks there. It just got to the point of, you know, pathetic. I was wrapped up in, in thinking that alcohol was the answer to all of life's problems and challenges. And, you know, if you're listening to this, I'm pretty sure you've been there as well. And I hope you're on the other side of it like I am now as well. And if you're not on the other side of it, you're definitely taking steps in that direction. So congratulations, be proud, and keep on going. So to give a little background on my drinking habits, I was a goody two-shoes throughout high school. I didn't drink really until after my senior year when I graduated. Um, yeah, I was, you know, kind of involved with a religious Christian group and really didn't uh, pursue that side of life until I was, um, you know, 17, 18. And even then it was quite moderate. 
um, you know, normal kind of after high school drinking habits, went to college, you know, partied a little bit here and there, never did drugs, um, certainly tried marijuana now and then, but never really got into it much. Um, the drinking was definitely where it was at for me. So picking back up in the not too distant past, I certainly developed um, a dependency on alcohol without realizing it, as most of us do. It really sneaks up on you, doesn't it? So I started drinking vodka instead of wine as a way to cut calories. I've heard that I'm not the only person that switched over to heavy liquor uh, in order to adhere to the diet regulations. Uh, so I started down the vodka path, and before I knew it, I was pouring, you know, doubles, triples, what have you, drinking iced tea, lemonade, and vodka nonstop during the summer, and, you know, wine all winter, and then back to the vodka. Before I knew it, I was up to a tolerance of being able to drink, you know, a half a handle myself in a day without a problem. Um, and you know, my marriage wasn't great. We, we fought a lot. We were both drinking heavily like that. You know, we thought we were having fun and and we probably were at first. Um, but before we knew it, we were fighting all the time, picking fights, forgetting what we were arguing about, just being, you know, stupid, stupid drunks. And, my husband would say, you know, I think we better cool it. And I'd say, sure, I can do that. But, you know, give me a few days. And um, at one point, I did try going on a 30-day detox. Uh, this was after my doctor looked at my blood work and said, yeah, we've got a problem here. My liver enzymes were severely elevated. Uh, I was supposed to do an ultrasound. I was supposed to do a heart checkup because I did have high blood pressure on and off for many years. Um, you know, I was taking anxiety and depression meds since the divorce. So for a good eight years, I'd say, and, um, yeah, my health was just really deteriorating, but did I, did I blame it on the alcohol? Not really. Uh, certainly denial is not just a river in Egypt, is it my friends? So with that heavy denial, I kept drinking and kept drinking. I didn't get my liver test done. I didn't get my heart test done. And I just kept drinking more and more. So now we fast forward to Memorial Day weekend 2019. Uh, My husband went out of town for a fun weekend and I was home alone with the kids. And those were always excuses for me to just binge binge drink and watch whatever I wanted up until, you know, three in the morning and, and that sort of thing. Um, so he, he came home on Sunday night and we grilled out, we had some tacos and at some point during the night I woke up throwing up. Um, and this part I don't remember, but apparently I was vomiting for a good, you know, almost 24 hours straight with really no explanation. My husband, thought it was food poisoning. Um, And so he was, you know, tending to me, washing my hair, keeping me, keeping me calm. And I was just miserable, moaning, dry heaving. I'll spare you the gross details. Uh, At some point, which I don't remember, my husband decided, you know, to, 
to take me to the ER as soon as possible. So luckily, we only lived two miles away. He threw me in the car with, you know, a vomit bucket and um, a towel because apparently I was peeing myself. Uh, We got to the ER. We walked in. They got me into a room immediately. And he went to park the car um, from the, you know, drop off in front of the door spot. Um, By the time he parked and came in, I was in full seizure um, and then going into cardiac arrest, flatlining, and then it happening all over again right away. So needless to say, he was, you know, scared to death, had no idea what was going on. He, you know, spit out that I was a heavy drinker and, you know, he, he thought I had food poisoning and this and that, just downloading as much information as he could in, in a very quick amount of time. Um, but unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, um, I was in the right place. My life was saved by the doctors. Um, I was brought back, obviously, as you hear me speaking today. Um, but I did flatline twice, meaning I, I died, you know, and then the doctors put me on life support um, and induced a medical coma um, to keep me, uh, to keep me safe. My heart was racing. My blood was only pumping. My heart was only pumping at 10%. Um, a normal heart at my age pumps at at least 60%, 70% capacity. And again, mine was beating at 10%. So basically what happened, um, is my electrolytes were depleted by drinking, I had extremely low levels of potassium and magnesium, and a cardiac arrest is when your electrical system just stops working um, and your heart stops pumping, and that's what happened. Um, I had no idea that alcohol abuse could cause this. Maybe you don't either or didn't until now, but I am here to tell you that you know your liver is not the only thing affected by alcohol abuse. Um, heart disease and cardiac arrest and heart failure are huge occurrences in heavy drinkers. Um, but sometimes we just don't tie it together. You know, a lot of people die in their sleep and it turns out that that's the reason. Um, so to wrap up that story, I was in the hospital in a medical coma for 11 days. I went through hypothermic treatment to keep my body temperature low so my body could start healing. I was on heavy, heavy fentanyl and propofil and um, just insane amounts of drugs. Every day, the doctors had no idea if I was going to make it. And here's perhaps the heaviest part, listeners. The doctors wanted to put me on the heart transplant list because my heart was so weak. Um, You know, when I was only 42, I, I should have had a very long life in front of me. However, they would not put me on the list because I was such a heavy drinker uh, that they wouldn't waste a perfectly good heart on me. Now, if that doesn't give you guilt after the fact, I'm not sure what will. So clearly I got better. Um, After 11 days, the doctors felt my body was stable enough to wake me up. Um, So there I was, one moment completely unaware of existence of even myself and the next moment coming to in a hospital room with no clue what had happened just like you see in the movies I 
I searched my body for wounds. I thought I must have been in a car accident. I was completely confused. And, you know, there was my mom's face right in my face. I felt like she was an alien abducting me. And then there was my husband and all the doctors. And I just was in utter confusion. It's so hard to explain. Um, but after a few days, I caught on to what had happened, I think. And, um, you know, I, I was, I was informed that it was all because of drinking and that just didn't compute. I just said, okay, but I really didn't understand how it happened. Um, at that point, all I cared about was getting better and getting home. Um, I want to share some of the details that I experienced in the hospital because you don't hear about these things. And frankly, they're awful. Um, I had a catheter up my butt because I could not get out of bed after being in a coma for 11 days. My muscles were unreliable, of course. Um, so I had a pee catheter. I had a poop catheter. I was having my period. So I had people attending to that for me, which was not something that I wanted. Um, you know, I wasn't allowed to get out of bed and I would claw. I went, I, I had to be put back under for a bit because I would claw my oxygen, you know, tube out of my nose. And I just was fighting to get out of bed. They had to tie me down. It was so, so awful. Um, so I had to basically learn to eat again. They had to, you know, make sure I could swallow with x-rays and all that. My voice was incredibly harsh um, from the intubation. And um, I was just in a state of confusion. I was having awful hallucinations. Um, you know, some of them were quite funny looking back and some of them were really, really terrifying. I thought at one point that snakes were in my bed. I thought there was, you know, a girl in the corner with giant forks who had just had a birthday party in my room. Just these really bizarre, you know, hallucinations that were so real and so scary. And honestly, the funniest one, though, that I just can't pass up sharing um, is that at one point I was watching a TV that was not on um, for a good hour or so, uh, thinking that I was watching the Pope flying into Chicago on a helicopter in the middle of the night. Um, when my mom came in to bring me some snacks or what have you, I asked her how it was out there. And she was baffled. So I explained, you know, don't you know the Pope's coming? Um, so luckily there are some funny things I can look back at and laugh, but overall it was a terrible experience. Um, I had to learn to walk again. And, you know, uh, it was just earth shattering and heartbreaking. Um, my sons celebrated their birthdays while I was in the hospital. They, they're nine years and one day apart. So June 9th and June 10th, I miss their birthdays. You know, um, they had gone, my older son had gone to live with his dad for the summer and my younger son went to live with my in-laws for the summer. And, um, I needed that. I needed that space to heal. I spent, you know, once I got home from the hospital, I spent a good month, uh, almost in bed the whole time, just, reflecting, getting stronger, you know, recovering. Um, I did a lot of morning meditations and journaling um, and just welcoming the new life that I had been given, still while sorting out the confusion that I was experiencing. So in the interest of time, I will shorten the rest of the story uh, to bring you to the current moment. Um, after recovering for the summer, 
uh, being sober, of course, and just readjusting to life um, after my death, <laughs> life after death, I guess you could say, um, you know, dealing with the guilt that was coming up around almost leaving my kids without a mom, um, the guilt that I was choosing to drink myself to death, you know, when there were signs all along that I really needed to stop. Um, so a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, a lot of confusion, and also a quest for knowledge and understanding. You know, I really wanted to learn from this experience and, and improve. I really did. Um, unfortunately, like a lot of first timers, I did experience a relapse. So that will be covered in another episode. But to wrap up this story, I had a relapse for many months. And then in the middle of a global pandemic, realized I was back right where I started after trying to be a moderate drinker. Um, that slippery slope that many of us know too well. I did have a relapse and then I did wake up and smell the revolution again. Uh, at this point, I have been nearly six months sober and there's no turning back. This time around, I've got the support I need. I've got the tools I need. Um, I really, really want it and I really, really get it. So thank you so much for hearing my story. Um, thank you for holding that space for me. Um, more to come, of course, but that is where I'm, that's my jumping off point. That's where I'm starting from. And now you know a little bit more about me. And that wraps it up for this episode of Recovery Revolution. Please join us again on the next episode. Until then, stay safe and stay sober. Did you like what you heard? Well, if you did, please take a moment and just do something that's absolutely free to help us out. You know what I'm going to say. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. The more people that hear about this, the more people we can help together. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>